Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and on today's episode, we have Annalisa Six, also known as Cosmic Lady Six. She's a tarot reader, astrologer, and also a good friend of mine. And I wanted to have her on the show, and I asked her if we could get into the topic of sobriety and how that has been part of her spiritual path. As I've known since I've met her, um, that sobriety is a big part of her life, and I found that really interesting. I am not a sober person. I do drink from time to time, and I also partake in things like marijuana and mushrooms from time to time as well. And I feel um, pretty content with my relationship to substances. On the other hand, things in my life like coffee, I don't drink. I had you know adverse reactions to it. Cane sugar, I feel like is a mass cultural drug, and I completely abstain from it. And so I do have this relationship to abstaining from particular substances because I see them as detrimental to my spiritual path, or I see that they're harming me. And because my body is part of my spiritual path, and this is all integrated, if I'm intaking something to my body that is decreasing my life force um, or making it harder for me to see clearly, or in the case with like cane sugar, it completely evaporates my hunger cues and makes me kind of in this need to eat more and eat more sugar all the time. And it just like puts me into this weird sugar frenzy. I can't do that anymore. And I've noticed since I've been studying astrology, really, um, when it comes to evolutionary astrology was when I first became aware of this connection, but I see it across different um, fields of study as well, that there is this connection between the archetype of spirituality and, you know, being unified with the source and having these kind of divine or ecstatic experiences and the experience of intoxication or drug use and how archetypally people that are working through Pisces stuff or Neptunian stuff astrologically, they can be really inclined towards spirituality or they might be addicts or they might be kind of, kind of washed out basically and not in tune with their spirituality because they're so distracted with um, substance abuse. And it, I think it really comes down to an individual's karma about you know how they're going to navigate their relationship to substances and intoxicants. And if they're um, needing to, you know, what kind of relationship do we want to form to that? Something that I love about this conversation that we had is that we speak really openly about seeing and hearing things. So that would be in the, you know, medical kind of psychiatric paradigm, some kind of pathology, but that um, we're Piscean and we see and hear things and it's part of our clairvoyance, if you will. But how that kind of personality structure in the current you know, cultural paradigm or the mainstream paradigm can lend itself to certain kinds of struggles. So if you're out here listening and you're someone who is very sensitive and is very porous, I hope that this conversation can be empowering for you and that you might find some like-mindedness or communion in this conversation. So without further ado, here is Annalisa and I's conversation. Hello, future listeners. Um, I still haven't launched this podcast yet. So there's kind of a trip to be making these conversations and know that it's going to be a couple of months before you guys hear but I trust that it will be in divine timing that these words reach you. Um, I'm in studio, aka my bedroom with my friend Annalisa Six, Cosmic Lady Six on Instagram. And I met her through a Facebook group um, for astrologers, specifically female astrologers. And I posted saying, you know, if anyone lives in Oakland or in the Bay Area, let me know so that we can hang out. And she commented and we didn't end up connecting until a little bit of time later. Like it was just a few days after I had experienced a breakup. So I was hella raw. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I decided, you know, you got back to me over a message and um, gave me your number. So I called you and we had this really cool conversation and it was just really restorative. Like I had been in like archetypal hell, it felt like, like I was even on this retreat for school and I had a glass of wine and I didn't notice a fly got in it. And I like lifted it up to my lips and suddenly there's a fly in my mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in hell. What the hell? And so then when I met up with you, um, 
your house is like so beautiful and like mystical and like your aesthetic is amazing. The Venus and Libra <laughs> going on. And I felt like I had like finally arrived at like a comfortable place in this hellish space I was in because as we were talking, you had all this wisdom about relationships that you've learned from your own life. And it was like every single thing that I needed to hear. And that if I had had that information, I probably wouldn't have lost that relationship. It was so just like my reckoning moment. But here you are this like beautiful Leo with like this gorgeous mm-hmm. made of hair and like, super- I love all these compliments. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a Leo, you know? I'm like, yes, yes. Shower me. <laughs> And yeah, like I was super enchanted by you and just like, cool. Like, I think I've just met like the queen of the underworld and everything's going to be okay from here. And I've really enjoyed our friendship ever since that moment. And I'm not in hell anymore, but we're still friends. And that's really great too. Sometimes you can't bring the people that you met in hell out too. It's like, that's a place you go and then you leave. But it's like, you could just hold it all basically. Um so with that, I'm just going to welcome you. Thank ask- you. That's the best intro I think I've ever heard anyone give me ever. The cool thing is like we haven't been friends that long and yet like what you picked up from me, I think is what I feel like I'm working towards in my path as like a, a practitioner of spiritual arts. You know, like if there was a goal for me, it would be to help people on the path to get out of darkness and towards their own personal version of light without fearing darkness or seeing darkness as like a place that you have to fear, I guess, you know, in that way. So you introducing me that way is very like, it feels very like, okay, I'm, I'm fulfilling my own, you know, kind of wants, I guess, in my life. Awesome. In that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely like that feeling. And I think I had told you that before of feeling like you were the queen of the underworld and you were like, you see me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I really, I relate to that as a moon Pluto person mm-hmm. of like, I'm not afraid of darkness and I love helping people out of it. And it's nice to see people move out of it really quickly too. It's like, we don't have to be there longer than we need to be. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes we just need some help from our friends to get by. Totally. Yeah, that's what my tea said too. So that's a good my tea mantra or affirmation is friendship is a sheltering tree by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good podcast tea. So will you tell the listeners what you do? Yeah, so um, I've been studying and practicing astrology actively um, for a little over two years. I'm on my third year of practice. But You're so advanced. For thank you. I mean, I've been studying every like I study every day. I don't feel like I'm as advanced. I'm really hard on myself, so I feel like I'm still really far behind. You write forecasts or like horoscopes too, which I feel accelerates learning. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, that's why I started writing them was because I was like, I need to, I wasn't studying transits as intently as I wanted to be. And I didn't know how to absorb the information in a way that was going to be constructive to my growth without like really getting a formal education. So I was like, well, in school, you write about what you're learning. So I may as well just try this. And when I started it, I wasn't really expecting anyone to read it. I wasn't even expecting to get good feedback or continue doing it because I, when I first started writing the forecast, I was really overwhelmed because I do every single day of the week and I write like a little blurb about every transit. And I was part of the reason why I did it too, is because I didn't want to write horoscopes. Um, I feel like everyone writes horoscopes in the astrological yeah, community. Yeah. I misspoke by saying horoscope. It's not technically what you're writing. Right. Like a forecast, a transit yeah. forecast. And I love horoscopes. I've always loved horoscopes. Like since I was a little kid, that's all I wanted to read was my horoscope. And that's why I feel like I ended up doing astrology but I always like I think for me I get really um like I'll see what is already accessible in a wide range and I'll want to offer a niche and that kind of goes into like what I do with my other job with dog walking so I'm a dog walker but when I started dog walking I didn't want to do pack walks because I saw there was a need for dogs that had behavioral issues and senior dogs and so I walk all the dogs that nobody else wants to walk that are either like on their way out because they're 
old and they're going to die soon and they need like that kind of care or they're aggressive and they have either like hurt other animals or people or they will. And so, um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. So I always imagined that you had a pack of dogs at one time. No, I've avoided that at all costs. I like the weirdos. Like I like things that are different. And so um, I would love to write horoscopes at some point. Um, But yeah, the forecast that you mentioned, like that was kind of how that started was me um, trying to educate myself through them. And then I started getting such good feedback that I just, I've just continued to do it. So it's been a little over a year that I've been writing a weekly forecast Um, And you're also a tarot reader. Yeah. And I started with tarot. So I learned tarot when I was 17 and have been doing tarot. Like I didn't do it consistently since then, but um, I've been doing it consistently for the last three years and first learned it when I was 17. Yeah. You really inspired me with tarot. Like I started to pull cards every day after I was hanging out with you because I wanted to like the way that you talked about tarot, it felt reminiscent to me of how I feel about astrology. Mm -hmm. And I just like needed to like have a relationship with all the cards. Like I didn't want to think about the two of pentacles and be like, I don't know what that means. Like I wanted to have like a library in my mind of all of the cards. Um, And I felt like I would tell you about past readings of mine or like a card that I pulled and you would have all this amazing information about it that would clarify things and actually change my life. I had a lot of breakthroughs from talking to you about tarot. Cool. Um, I really wanted to ask you today about the theme of sobriety. So you're a Pisces moon and a lot of people who study astrology will hear at some point that Pisces or Neptune is associated with intoxication and that these individuals may you know, get easily addicted to drugs or alcohol and that they should abstain. Like that's one perspective on it. And then there's some Piscean people that just thrive on altered, you know, states of consciousness or psychedelics. And I really do feel like it's up to the individual, but I feel like you're a great example of someone whose sobriety has really worked for you. And that I also just love your story of how you got there. And so I wanted to invite you to share kind of where you're coming from in your path on sobriety and we'll just kind of dive in. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think like one of the things with Pisces people is I think like we could focus on the fact that we're more prone to escapism overall. So whether it's going to be through drugs, alcohol, or like altered states, also like any artistic form of escapism is something that we're also kind of inclined towards, like through music and painting or poetry or drawing. And if you look at a lot of musicians and artists, they're a lot of times addicts and, um, you know, we're always trying to kind of like tune in to tune out of the world. And I think Pisces is also known for just that like continuous existential crisis. And so for me, like as a kid, um, you know, I think like if you were to imagine like the typical Pisces, like fantasy child of like wanting to be a fairy or, you know, like I grew up in a, my dad was a total hippie. Like he had a store called seventh heaven that I grew up going to like the Eugene, Oregon country fair. And I was obsessed with Disney and obsessed with like stuffed animals. I talked to my stuffed animals. And so, you know, like my imagination has always been really big. And when I became a musician, um, when I was really young, that was like my, that was what I thought I was going to be when I grew up was a, like professional musician. Um, I tried really hard to stay away from drugs and alcohol. Actually, I was one of the last people in my friend group to drink or smoke or do anything like that. And I had this kind of, um, rebellion towards like, I think for me, my mind was so easily, um, kind of tapped into this other state. Like I, started having a lot of lucid dreams when I was in elementary school and I would hallucinate pretty regularly and also hear voices and things that I kept to myself that I wasn't very comfortable sharing. Yeah, I just want to pause there for a second and just emphasize that I connect to that. Like I see things and part of why I want to like start talking to people about this and sharing it is that I want to normalize it because it's so we're in a culture where that's associated with insanity, but Mm -hmm. people who have Pisces in their chart are some of the most likely people to see and hear things. So, and it's like something we have to learn how to deal with, but we're in a culture that we're supposed to suppress it or be secretive about it. So yeah. And that's a great segue into addiction. Cause I think what happens with 
people that have that is you either you end up either going to like a psychologist and being honest and being like, I have these dreams, I have these hallucinations, I have these problems, and you get given a drug to suppress it, or you end up suppressing it yourself through something that's probably a substance. And that's what I did, because I've always been kind of um, resistant towards putting any kind of label on myself in a psychological way. Like I, my, my family was not very supportive of therapy in my life. Like just in general, there was some trauma around therapy, um, in my family, um, just like not good therapists that had been in my parents' lives and stuff. And so, um, I had a pretty troubled adolescence. Um, like my parents aren't together and there was a lot of there's just a lot of crazy stuff in my adolescence. And I was very, I self-harmed quite a bit. And my first form of escapism was I was a cutter and I did that for three years. And when I was younger, I'd pull out my hair. And so I've always kind of had some weird self-harm and I would kind of avoid substances. Um, Cause I, I saw substances as like a cop out almost like in a way that I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but there was just something that I didn't like the woe is me or the victimhood that I saw a lot of my peers kind of doing. Like, um, growing, I grew up in Eastern Washington. So the grunge movement was really cool still kind of, and the kids my age were approaching drugs and alcohol from this kind of like heroin chic thing. And I didn't like that. I thought that, um, a lot of these kids too were very privileged and I had, I, I have a lot of privilege in my life, but like not to the extent that these kids that were doing drugs and drinking had. And so I would get kind of resentful that they were like, you know, you live in a home that's really like supportive and loving and you're trying to do this Kurt Cobain thing. And like, I'm the one that has that life. And I don't understand like why you're make like you can make positive choices. And so I actually was a very like together motivated, like I'm going to be this musician and be like this clean and like sober person. And then I moved out at 16 and I think it was that kind of thing of just like, I kind of gave up on myself after entering the adult world. Like I moved out and dropped out of high school and was ready to be this musician and go on tour and do all this stuff. And the adults around me were just, you know, drunk and I I wanted to hang out with them. You know, like I wanted to go to the bar and hang out and there was a lot of peer pressure, like, okay, you're at the bar now. Like, are you going to start drinking? Are you going to start drinking? And so of course I started drinking and then that just led to one thing to another. Like I started smoking I started you know, doing cocaine. And I went like full blown addict almost overnight. Like I was like, this is awesome. Why did I ever (laughs) judge this before? And I loved it. And I was obsessed with the Rolling Stones at that point. So like I was wearing like all this, you know, fur and sixties clothes. And like, you know, I, I just went out and partied every single night and it was awesome. Like I had a blast and I just felt free. And I felt like I was, I had my own apartment at 17 on Capitol Hill in Seattle. It was like this tiny little apartment. I just chain smoke all day. And like, do drugs and drink and then go party all night and hang out with musicians and all these like rocker people. And I felt like I was living my dream, you know, and it felt very like Piscean in that escapist way, but also very cool. Like if you watch like a documentary on the seventies, like Velvet Underground or something, like I felt like I was in what I wanted, you know, in the rock star way. The problem is, is that I wasn't a rock star and that I was just some like dumb kid in fantasy land essentially. And um, I struggled off and on. I moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, after like pretty much six months of that, I crashed. Like that didn't last long. And I ended up with a lot of other addicts that were not doing well. And so I left where I was living and moved to Portland. And um, I went vegan and, and kind of sober. Like I would do hallucinogens. Like I, I, I was dating someone that was really into acid and like doing that kind of stuff. So he kind of got me out of one party culture and into more of like a hippie spiritual psychedelic culture, but I was trying to actually be sober. And so it was a weird kind of thing. And I remember when the first time I did psychedelics, I felt like my brain already does this. I don't need more of it. And I felt like nobody understood that about me. And I felt like, like people didn't get that. I already had a mind that could lucid dream and hallucinate without it being induced by a drug. And sure, maybe not like a full on DMT experience, but I liked that because having the, my, the few times that I would do a hallucinogen, my brain wouldn't go back to as well controlled as it was because I feel like something was already open. And so, um, that actually led to another series of like me developing a really bad anxiety disorder and, um, 
I just would have, I would be like kind of half dream world, half reality in my sleep. And I'd wake up with these panic attacks. And it was a really weird time for me in that way. And that was the first time I actually started doing tarot and trying to get a spiritual practice in my life. And then that relationship dissolved. um, And I associated me trying to get healthy with resistance from the people in my life that were choosing to party. I was just around a lot of people that wanted to party. And so I went back to partying for a few years, met my husband And then we got sober together um, years later where we tried to be like normal adults where like we just drink on the weekends and it's fine. But eventually it would always kind of lead into some kind of coping mechanism. And um, I used alcohol specifically as a way to manage my stress pretty regularly. And um, I ended up, I, before I quit drinking and before I, kind of went down the sober path. I developed IBS. So I developed like a lot of digestion problems and I was diagnosing that. And that was related to my anxiety. So I started trying to work on getting myself on a healthy diet and managing my anxiety. So I went back to being vegan and working out regularly because I knew those two things helped. Um, The problem was that wasn't enough. And I knew that the alcohol was still a problem for me because it would lead into darker things. And I've also have the depression stuff. So it's just like a recipe for disaster. So I decided to go sober for real. And, um, within a year of that, I didn't do anything spiritual. Like I was just focusing on diet and exercise and I've always had, you know, like the spiritual stuff in my life as a kid. So I had a whole I had books and boxes that were like Buddhism and, you know, all these things. So it's, it's always been in my life, but I always was kind of like, avoiding that because I knew if I chose that, I was going to go all the way with it. And I still had a lot of ego attachment to this need to be a musician or a cool scene person, you know, like that was kind of, I was choosing to be an ego scene person and the spiritual path I knew would pull me away from that. And I was afraid if I left that my fantasies would of who I thought I was supposed to be would go and my relationship with everyone I loved would just be gone. And so I resisted it. And then um, I went on a trip at a time where I was really depressed and I was feeling like nothing, like my sobriety, my exercise wasn't really helping my depression. Like I just felt kind of at a loss for that. And I um, went on a trip with my mom to Venice, California. This is a story that I think you wanted me to mention for the podcast. So this is kind of like the turning point for me where I realized like you can't just focus on the external. You have to have an anchor internally in order to kind of heal uh, the self fully. And what happened was my mom and I went on a, our first mother daughter trip together ever. And we went to Venice, California, and there was a esoteric bookshop kind of store that had this beautiful Jasmine incense that was like just trailing down Abbott and Kenny. And we were like, where's that smell coming from? And we, if we found it coming from this bookstore and we love metaphysical bookstores. So we're like, okay, let's go look at books. And I had been feeling that call that I needed to find some kind of self-help book, but I just wasn't really feeling, I wasn't feeling called to any books in there. And um, there was like a huge five foot amethyst geode that was just in the bookstore. And prior to this, I had never had any interest in crystals. I didn't, I knew people that were, I had clients like dog walking clients that had crystals all over their home. I thought they were beautiful, but I was just like, I don't get it. You know, it's not my thing. And they're pretty, but like, I don't understand the spiritual significance. And so when this happened to me, um, it really meant something because I was really freaked out. But I I touched the amethyst geode and I felt this just shooting vibration up through my arm into my shoulder in a way that, you know, I, without even realizing it was looking for some kind of plug in to the amethyst, like it had, like it was, you know, plugged into the wall and it shorted out on me or something. And there, you know, there's nothing there. And I was just like, what just happened? I told my mom and the woman in the bookstore overheard and she was like, Oh, you felt its vibration. It talked to you. She's like, that's so cool. And I remember just being really weirded out because it wasn't like a static electricity shock you get from your clothes, like touching anything. It felt so different than anything I'd ever experienced before. And that was that was the opening and the pivotal moment for me and where I'm at now with everything. And, um, I 
feel like, oh, and so we bought a little mini piece of amethyst at the store. And then I found at the airport a book that felt like it was, you know, meant to be for me. And I went home and I laid in bed and I started Googling like amethyst properties. And the symbology of the amethyst, um, it's known as the stone for sobriety. And so that was really uh, special to me because I had, I was just about to embark in a couple months on my first year of sobriety. And um, I did feel kind of at that point, like, is this even working? And is it even worth it? I felt really alone. I was like the only sober person in my life at the time when that happened. So it felt like that crystal was like, hang in there, you know, like keep, keep it up. And, um, that led me to picking up my tarot cards for the first time in like five or six years. And that led me to meeting my mentor and teacher, who is the creator of the mother piece tarot deck, Vicki Noble. And then, um, tying this back into being a Pisces, I didn't know my birth chart and Vicki was the first one to read my birth chart for me as an adult. And, um, she was the one that told me about my moon and Pisces and that what that means. And that just blew open everything for me. Like I felt like this is why I'm like this. And this, like, I felt sane for the first time. And I felt like, um, I'm getting emotional, like talking about it. It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. But like, I just felt like, Oh, this is why my brain's like this. And this is why I feel the way that I do. And this is why I need to be on this path and why I'm supposed to be doing these things. And like, ever since I like had that happen. I just haven't really given up on myself the way that I did in the past. So astrology is like literally saved my life because without it, like I was super suicidal. Like I hated everything about myself. I didn't understand like why I had all these things in me and why I couldn't connect with other people in that way. And then when I joined this community of astrologers, I was like, Oh my God, these are my people. And I felt it more than I did in the musical community because the musical community was people just really trying to escape, like really trying to, like, it's so painful in the musical community because people aren't, they're spiritual people and they're people that are channeling, like music is channeling, art is channeling. And yet we don't have a healthy framework for people in that world. And it's really difficult. And I feel like this like world, I feel so much more connected to um, because it's an anchor, you know, that music didn't give me yeah. at all. I relate to this so much in terms of finding the astrology community and feeling like, oh, this makes sense. And I have a bunch of Pisces planets. So also the the validation of my own experiences as you're not insane, you are spiritual, you're psychic. And I think what you're saying too about musicians as channelers is really important because I've noticed that um, in different industries too, or even actors are channeling or they're shape-shifting and there's all these different spirit attachments or spirit engagements that happen at these various other things that we do in the world. But if you don't have a framework to hold that, you can get possessed kind of, yeah. you know, for lack of a better word, but that is kind of what's happening to some extent. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get all emotional, but the Pisces energy right now, it's like just, yeah, it's in our sky. <laughs> <and Mercury Neptune. laughs> totally. Um, how have you been doing with the Mercury Neptune transit? Pretty good. Like I think this time of year used to be a lot harder on me before I had astrology. Um, this is like my seasonal depression time of year is like Aquarius Pisces season. Um, and like I said, like astrology's kind of saved my life in that way because now understanding the cycles and kind of using yeah. that, yeah, it like helps anchor me. And it helps us not take it so personally too. Yeah. Like I'm having some really hard transits right now and I just know that they're happening and I've studied them for years and I have all these images associated with them and it doesn't spare me from having the experience, but instead of just being inside of it, like just for reference, I'm having Saturn square my sun and Saturn's right on my Uranus Neptune conjunction. And it feels like Saturn transits feel like, you know, you're getting pressured, like you're under a lot of pressure. You have a lot of responsibility. There's no way out. You feel like this hardship is going to last forever. Like life is pretty good right now. Like in general, I can't complain, but there are moments where a sequence of events will happen where I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm stuck. Like there's nothing I can do. And it feels like my life is falling apart. And then I remember like, well, I'm having a Saturn transit. It feels like you're being squeezed through a tunnel. It's like the birth canal. Like, and we're just 
when we're having a Saturn transit being limited so that something new can happen. It's a constraint. Um, and I've had Saturn transits before I knew astrology where I was suicidal. It was like, mm-hmm. you can't do this to me life. Like if this is what my life is going to be like, I'll give you another year. And then I'm going to find some way to leave this planet. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think like that anymore because of astrology. So Same. in a way, yeah, it has saved my life. It gives me, you know, it's a whole narrative arc of how things change and the cycles and life and death. And so we can find ourselves in a difficult spot, but we know that it's part of a greater arc. And that's just really needed when we're struggling. Yeah. And I've had like my first, like, cause I still have depression, you know, as like just kind of a neuro pathway that's been in my brain for so long that my brain will naturally want to go Can there. Can you say more about that? Like, like the you... neuro pathways? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of new neuroscience that is being talked about that I think is the ancients have always kind of known that we have the ability to, um, our thoughts create our neuro connectors. And so if we're telling ourselves or we're absorbing certain things on a regular basis, it creates a certain pattern in our mind and that influences how we perceive and function in the world. And so like depression or anxiety or, you know, things like that have different ways that they're mapping out in our minds. And they've said that just by doing different exercises on the daily, on a daily basis around our thoughts and changing our thoughts, um, changes are, we can break off what are called peptide, like emotional responses and the neural pathways can break off and rebuild. We can make new ones that have different frequencies. Wow. And it might be like fantasy at first, I feel like. It I, is. I broke my, like I had depression throughout my life and I, it's in my chart. Like I think it's something I've been karmically working with, but in childhood, I think I was just really sensitive and I had all these experiences that were really subjective and internal and I didn't really know how to talk about them. So, or have people to talk to about them who I felt might understand. And that could have been delusional, but that's just what it was. And so I would have, or like I would like fall in love with someone like from afar or something and have this like deep subjective experience of admiring someone, but it wasn't real. Or I'd tell them that I liked them. And then they'd be like, I don't feel that way. And it's like a 10 year old kid. And, we're both <laughs> 10. <laughs> and so I just took that really hard. And I developed this, you know, trauma around like, Oh, I'm not lovable. Or like, you know, this shame around having intense feelings about other people that wasn't reciprocated. And so I got into these really dark kind of like shame spaces and depression. And it just compounded over the years for like all these different factors. And you get these negative feedback loops too, because if you're feeling that way, you give off a certain image or vibration to other people and then they respond to you in kind. And so it just kind of spirals. And when I got into astrology and specifically law of attraction, Mm -hmm. I was able to break a lot of those cycles because I would choose instead of feeling depressed all day, which I felt like I was in a like sludge pit or something and or quicksand. And the more depressed I got, the more I could feel like I was just going way under. So I just started to indulge in fantasy and pretend that things were real that weren't Mm -hmm. and like start to create different emotional feedback loops. And after engaging in fantasy for like an hour or something, I would suddenly feel lighter. I would go about my day and like something new or novel would happen that was more life sustaining or more life giving. And I just was really diligent about, um, I'm going to turn this off. (laughs) I was really diligent about creating those new pathways. So I think that I'm really passionate about that for healing depression, you know, because people the way that people talk about it in the brain, like it's just this condition you'll have forever. It's like, you can actually change it. Yeah. I think that it's just good that we're finally getting that science out there in a way that is more known for people because I feel like, um, obviously like there's a lot of people that feel like that science can mean, well then it's not validating my experience. And I think it's the opposite where it's like, not only does it validate your experience that if you've experienced negativity and trauma over and over and over again, that you're going to be susceptible to having these neural pathways. But then it also is like, you don't have to end up in it forever. Like there can be an out if you put the work in and decide that you want to try to create that for yourself. And it gives, it helps you take the power back. And I think for me now that I've, 
done these practices and not hard on myself. Cause I think that's another thing is like, sometimes what will happen is we'll think if I just think good thoughts, nothing bad will happen. And then I'll always feel happy. And then if we feel bad or something bad happens, we'll see it as a personal failure. And that's not something we want to fall into either. We want to know that like we live in a polarity where there's positive, negative, good, bad, and there's always that polarity. So, and the, the perception of bad is just that it's a perception. And at my favorite thing to say to everyone is we all die at the end. So to get into this like fantasy land of like, it has to be on cloud nine all the time in order for me to be successful or good at what I do or who I am. That's not true. And that's not real. It's more that when you're in a down cycle, you're in the darkness, you're in the depression, you know that you have the power to do whatever you need to do in that situation that is right for you and that you can still make a healthy choice. And so for me, like, like I'm not suicidal anymore for the first time. I still think about death all the time. And I still think about um, negative things. But for the first time, I'm okay with my existence. Like I still have, I'm always in existential crisis mode. Like I'm constantly there, but it's not as dark and dismal anymore. And not because there isn't darkness, but because I've learned the value of darkness. And I've learned the value of spending time in that darkness when it's needed. And I know when I fall into like an emotional state where I might be more susceptible to cry like today or, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And like shadow periods of like mercury retrograde, bad things happen. I know it's like, there's some kind of opportunity for me to grow again in that little period. And I also enter rest, you know? And so I'll put on, like, I'll indulge my sadness. I'll put on Lana Del Rey and I'll cry and I'll just get melancholy. And I've realized as a Pisces moon, like I actually need to do that. And it doesn't have to go that far down to where I want to die. It's just more like honoring the emotion of melancholy and keeping it in this like suspended like like having love and holding space for it without judging it or seeing it as a failure. Oh my god, yeah. Lately I've been really just attentive or like inviting to the emotions that come through my life. Like that Rumi poem, I should just read it so I can actually quote it. But the emotions like guests in a house oh, was yeah. the image that came to mind. And I'll have this um, sadness, like I miss someone. And like, instead of repressing that and contracting the second that I feel something that I don't want to feel, I'm just like, oh, hi again. And I'm totally. curious about it. And I've been looking out into the past about how, you know, I've missed people before. And years go by and that gets, it gets fader or it fades out. And the most fresh kind of sadness is, you know, they're more bright or more difficult, but they also eventually fade. And I never got over these things by constricting or contracting or repressing them. Like they're just there for a period of time. But the judgment on them as like, oh, this is bad. I shouldn't feel this is what makes it so much harder. And mm -hmm. I've also been, it kind of, this is a Pisces theme too. It's like been a lot of compassion work, just like having difficult feelings come up and just accept them and forgive them and move through them. So, yeah, totally. I feel like when you were talking earlier too about like the things that you took personally that created like other traumas, I was reading stuff about Pisces to kind of prepare for the other podcast I was doing. Cause I don't really study my own chart as much as other stuff, you know, <laughs> that's just how I am. Um, and I'll kind of feel like, Oh, I know enough about that. And then I'll be like, no, I should like freshen my brain and learn it's more. Always a trip. Like I yeah. found just I'll read now that I've been studying astrology for like over a decade, I think. Yeah over a decade now, like when I'll read something, like I read the astrological Neptune by Liz Green a year ago, and I just sobbed, like it hit me so deep. And it's like, I know that like, that just happens every now and then I've thought of it like this thin layer of ice or something that yeah. covers each next layer of deepening into astrology. And sometimes something I read will just be like a needle that shatters the ice. Yeah, like that's the image that comes up. And I just cry. And I'm like, this is so profound. So I'm always into Continue. Yeah, you have to because it's like the onion layer or yeah. there's just more depth like always. And I feel like that like I no, I always saw my Leo as what I how I took things personally because Leo takes things very personally. But I was reading something about Pisces in the sensitivity part of it with taking things personally when you were bringing up that story about you with the 
Yeah, Pisces can be so subjective. It feels like I actually was reading um, my friend Colin Bedell wrote. It's a little bit of astrology. I actually have it. I can see it. Um, But he said something about Pisces and how it's important for them to express their feelings when they come up instead of creating like a mountain of fantasy out of like one feeling and like just letting it build. So like such as in a relationship. And that blew my mind because I didn't have that piece of knowledge when I was a kid. But a lot of things that, you know, I built mountains of trauma around like earlier in life just came from misperceptions and delusions, like getting bigger and bigger over time. And it's like I hadn't used astrology or had the kind of framework to consider delusion versus reality Mm -hmm. and so you just think that your thoughts are real and it gets into this like whole huge abstraction and I feel like even just studying astrology it's such medicine for Pisces to start to consider ultimate truth versus illusion or Maya Mm -hmm. it's like you don't have to know the ultimate truth but if you're holding the things that you think are true with a little bit of lightness and curiosity instead of believing in them you can be spared a lot of suffering yeah, totally. I love all that. What yeah. did you learn when you were researching Pisces recently? Well, I feel like that was the thing that really stood out for me the most, just based off of things that I didn't perceive in the same way. Like just, I think too, like Pisces is a loner, like somebody that just needs to really retreat a lot is something that like, I forget about. I don't know why that's something that I forget about. I think I see Pisces as like this such a compassionate wants to serve that I'll view Pisces as more extroverted sometimes from that place of like wanting to hold space and wanting to expand into everything and be one with everything that I'll forget about like where that introverted private need for rejuvenation comes from. And I relate to that a ton. And I think that's why too, like I got emotional talking about when I found out about the Pisces stuff, because I think when you're a Leo, you feel like there's this, oh, well, I'm supposed to be a performer. I'm supposed to be extroverted. I'm supposed to be in. And you feel that Leo side of yourself. And so you'll feel like if you have any of these periods where you feel blown out or like social anxiety, or like, it's just too much. And you're like, why am I like this? Or why do I need to escape when I'm in these environments in order to handle them? Or why do I want this, but I don't like it as much as I think I should. The Pisces moon made a lot of sense for me because it was kind of that other side of it where it's like, I am like an introverted extrovert and it's like, I like the creating aspect, not so much the performing aspect. And, um, there's something like that. I was kind of learning about Pisces in that way where it is that kind of like shy. I want to like poop it out, but I don't (laughs) want to like have to talk about it or explain it necessarily. I just kind of want to like make it and walk away. Mm. Or I just, my mind went with that in terms of wanting, not wanting to explain something of when it's like this little detail or something, it's like, but it means this whole expanded thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's just infinity and no boundaries with Pisces that it can be hard to talk about your feelings because they're so expansive. It's ridiculous and overwhelming. Um, I'm curious about what your current, you know, spiritual experiences are like now that you are sober and it's like you're able to interface with that part of yourself without suppressing it. Like what does it manifest as and how do you, how do you navigate and harness that now that you're conscious about it being a spiritual practice of yours? That yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that's a really good question too. Um, I don't think I've ever thought about it in like a, like, what does it look like? But I would say like, I really have just given in like, you know, when you're, starting a spiritual journey and you're reading all this stuff that's kind of like you should meditate and you should do yoga and you should do all these things and a lot of times you like the idea of being that person but actually becoming that person is a lot more work than maybe your maturity level is ready to handle i feel like for me with my practice now um that resistance that i had is not really something that i struggle with anymore and so it, I, I feel like that intuitive part of myself that I was suppressing that was kind of trying to keep me in this reckless, like ego driven place is more 
oh, I'm having a panic attack and I have this tool and I, I know a little bit of pranayama yoga. So I'm just going to tune into that right now. Or, um, you know, I'm ha- like, I now I feel crystal vibrations after that incident. Like it's just a normal part of my life. And so like all, I spent a lot of time that first year working with crystals and doing a lot of like meditative crystal healing. Um, so, you know, working with nature has been something that I've integrated into my life in a more intentional way. And that's also very grounding for me as a Pisces and dog walking is like, I, when I first started doing readings, I thought, Oh, well, maybe I'll segue out of dog walking and be a reader and just have my own dogs and not, you know, like having two businesses seem like a lot. And now like as a Pisces moon absorbing other people, I need breaks. Like it's really helpful to not be reading full time because uh, dog walking is kind of like my grounding period. So I spend all day walking and hiking in nature. Oh my God. I never thought of it before, but just you as a sun and Leo and then moon and Pisces, it's like you have your time with animals, which is super Leo. And then you have your time with tarot cards and astrology, which is the Pisces side. So yeah. you're really like exhibiting both your sun and moon in that way. Yeah. And I could even go further in my chart if we wanted to about (laughs) all the other ways that's tied together, but it's been awesome having that. So I feel like, um, the way that I've been able to, like, I'm very active, um, like in nature and also like I go to the gym as much as I can and do yoga. And when I started working with my teacher, she was very like, like all my Pisces stuff was very blown out and not grounded. And so when she meditated with me the first time she was like, you are floating. Like, Can you say what blown out means? Yeah. Blown out is where you're not present in your body. So it's like, you're kind of operating from your heart chakra and up out and everything below that is not really anchored in any kind of way. So if you're like the kind of person that always feels kind of spacey and in your mind and your body never is really following that. And like, let's say you're always knocking stuff over or you're always kind of like everything in the physical just feels kind of off all the time, but your mind is really active and so active to the point where you're hallucinating and you're having lucid dreams and you're hearing things and you know, like you're kind of spaced out. Yeah. I mean, I have a daily yoga practice. I do Ashtanga yoga and that's been really grounding for me. And I still, I mean, I did it because I was writing horoscopes and I see lights and colors and it was 2016. And after I would just kind of like, I feel like a deposit like things out of my mind onto the computer. And it was becoming a struggle because I don't think I was meant to be a horoscope writer. It's a lot of work. I write the forecast now for that reason. And it was also just like writing all the daily horoscopes for all the signs was so much work and it just went away with the wind. At Mm -hmm. least now, like I put a few hours a week into writing the forecast and it lasts a whole week instead of a few hours for every day, which was way too much. But when I was done writing, I would lay in my bed and I would just see rainbows of colors like washing over me. And I was like, what is going on with me? Like, I'm so blasted out. And I decided to get into yoga after that because I felt my upper chakras, like it wasn't just a figure of speech, like, oh, my upper chakras are like out of control. It was like, literally, I could see them. And I also just like, you know, I've been in my body, especially during that time, it was relationships with other people, I think are really embodying because you might you have a sexual relationship with your partner. And there's like the warmth of being around another body or sharing food together and just doing those things or like routine making schedules with people like those are all very grounding activities. And during that time of horoscope writing, I was like, out of a relationship, and it was really challenging. So I was like, I need yoga again. And it's become like, lower chakra activating and feels really good, but I still see all the colors and still feel all the yeah, exactly. <laughs> chakra points, but I feel like it's really luscious and it doesn't feel like out of control. Um, but that's why I got into yoga really it was like, I want to be connected to my body and I want to bring all this chakra energy down and balance my chakras. Yeah, totally. I same. And it took me a really long time because like, I've never been a physical athletic person. Like that's nothing I've ever been drawn to. Like I was fully into the arts and, um, so it's been slow. Like it's been super slow. And then I have an injury, a back injury on top of it. That's almost like the blessing of the injury is that it's forced me to have to have a consistent stretch yoga 
exercise practice and, um, you know, like being suicidal, like I've always resisted my body. And so, um, it feels, it's weird. Cause I feel like most people on the spiritual path, like we talk about hallucinogens and stuff and people that do really well with those, um, they're trying to get out of their body because they feel trapped by it. I feel trapped. Like they want to connect to the spiritual world more. I feel trapped by my body in a way that's like, I'm not trying to connect more to the spiritual world. I just do. And then I just, this body in the way (laughs) like that's how I feel about it like in a different way like I don't have a healthy relationship with my body already and so and I don't think I really ever have so that's something I'm learning now and it's helpful I really I just want to say for the listeners like your Instagram feed is really amazing because you post like these shares of what you're actually experiencing um, through working out through your spiritual path. Um, and they're really great to read. You have two different Instagrams. I have five. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even but I have two that are probably relevant. Okay. Um, what are they? They're cosmic lady six for tarot and astrology and just kind of like spiritual musings. And then, um, there's plant-based mystic that I have for sobriety and vegan and kind of more of the fit stuff. And I would love to combine all of this together at some point, but for now it feels very separate. So, yeah, I really resonate with that. I want to combine my interests in food and veganism with astrology, but I haven't necessarily seen that bridge yet, except for the fact that my astrology practice and my yoga practice has cut certain foods out of my life. Like mm. when I was first writing horoscopes, I was addicted to coffee and sugar. Mm-hmm. And I see these lights and I would ask them for guidance all the time. And I'd be like, okay, I'm addicted to coffee and sugar. And I was like feeling the um, the need to like get my fix with that. And I asked the lights, like, is it okay? And I saw these lights and I was like, okay, I just had this trust that one day I would not be addicted to those things. And I no longer eat cane sugar, no longer drink coffee. But it came from like, I had to find things to replace it with and like yoga or like switching out more healthy foods. But I've also noticed that by cleaning up my diet, it's made me more sensitive. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it um, cleared my channel. So I'm more receptive. And then you have to be able to deal with that. So I think that having like spiritual frameworks when you're on like a clean eating or veganism or anything like that can really help because I think that you can get blocked at certain points in that path if you're suddenly open, you know, because yeah, I I feel like what you said too about the vegan opening, like making you a cleaner channel. I feel like that's why me going vegan sober led to such an intense spiritual awakening. It was like, I I wasn't suppressing anything. There was nothing blocking anymore. So it was just like, you know, like I was just like a clean slate for this energy in that way. And so, yeah, like you, once that happens, it's really scary. And it kind of like, I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening like four months later. And that was like, I had read about Kundalini for years and I was like, I'm never going to try to make that happen. happen. What was that like for you? Um, well, so I was doing a exercise in the mother piece playbook and it was a cardinal direction reading. And so you sit in the center of your cards, you spread your cards out in a circle and you put like a elemental kind of symbol of something like a feather for air, a candle for fire, a rock for earth. Like you have all that stuff and then you pull a card for each of the cardinal directions and you open the circle, um, as you're doing it. And as soon as I started in the East, I started feeling what I had read about with the Kundalini. And I feel like had I not had already read about it, I would have thought I was having some weird possession. Like it was crazy and it moved all the way up and came out. And I just kind of sat there like feeling all tingly and weird. And then I like emailed Vicky and emailed uh, <laughs> Darla Downing who lives here. Cause she's like well-versed in Kundalini. And I was like, I think this happened to me. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like uh, a spontaneous awakening. They were like, well, I don't think you fully had an awakening yet. But after that, I was kind of obsessed with Kundalini and I spent that whole next year um, like you know, meditating with that energy. And now I don't experience it in the same way as much anymore. It's there. Like I, this is funny, actually, I was missing my Kundalini, like the intensity of my Kundalini energy 
to myself. And then all of a sudden it started, like I started feeling it and it was like, it felt like I was getting some like shakti goddess. Like, yeah. Oh, I can feel nah. it right now just because you said that. I'm like, yeah. And I also have really active chakras now that I've done all of that work. And so for me, like when I do tarot readings and astrology readings or podcasts, or just if I'm in any environment where I end up like the way you see lights, I have tingling in my crown chakra. I get the tingling too. Yeah. So, and that happens to me no matter whether or not I'm feeling connected to spirit or not. Like if I feel like, Oh, I I'm feeling kind of dead inside this week. Like I don't feel as spiritual as I normally do. And then I'll have a really like amazing conversation and my crown chakra will ignite as if I had a Kundalini awakening, you know, and I'm like, okay. So I kind of feel like, um, being sober and having a really clean diet. Like we're talking about like vegan and I'm vegan, gluten-free sober. Um, and I eat pretty like minimalistic. I do drink coffee. Um, and I would say that I'm not addicted to coffee cause I quit drinking coffee for like almost a year, but I love coffee. Like I have a deep relationship with coffee. I, I felt that way. <laughs> I had an issue with coffee cause it, I was at a place where it would make my bladder hurt and I would yeah, get really good. intense acne and I was still drinking it because that's how addicted I was to it. Yeah. And just seeing that every time I drank it, it made physical symptoms flare up in me. It was this decisive, like I have to stop drinking this and just make that choice. Um, yeah, it can yeah. totally cause that. I think maybe like, this is really funny, but my mom drank coffee when she was pregnant with me. And then when I was a baby, I, she worked at a cafe and I would eat the coffee beans off the ground. So I think the reason why maybe my digestion is like, okay you were with acclimated. it. Yeah. Like I think it was like poured, poured into my bloodstream or something as a baby. Wow. And I've also wondered if like maybe my ethnicity has something to do with like how I'm digesting Can certain things. Can you say things. more about that? Yeah. So half my dad's adopted. I have no idea what he is, but like I get most of the, my ability to tan really easily from him. And so we're not sure if he's, he said looks very Mediterranean. Like he could be Hungarian or Mediterranean something. Um, but we don't know. And then, um, with my mom's side, she's half Mexican and, um, mestiza like primarily, but there is, um, her, her mom's side was predominantly all Hispanic, um, but like more Indian, Mexican. And then on the other side, it was more mixed. So it was more like Indian and uh, English and Spanish. Um, so we have the mestiza kind of genes going on and looking at it, like all the women were always the Indian ones and all the men were the white ones so it's funny because I'm with a white man and my mom's also with a white man and we're like why do all the women in our family marry white men like there's an ancestral pattern yeah it's really weird and I think it's like I think a lot of women were doing that to survive during those like revolutionary times you know like if you even though it was like taboo to be a mixed couple I think that's probably how a lot of lines continued on you know yeah so I kind of wonder sometimes if there's like some belief system for survival in our genes and that's why we ended up with white people I have no idea but like um yeah and then there's a lot of mystical stuff on that side of my family like my great-grandpa um Roberto Lopez was a Rosicrucian and that's a mystery order and then my um, his dad was a Rosicrucian and then there's a lot of folk Catholicism and then uh, my great grandma on the other side was a Christian scientist and didn't believe in any Western medicine and my great uncles were not they were not vaccinated they were not allowed to like do anything and one of them ended up becoming um, an atheist rocket scientist because he was so upset with how he grew up <laughs> Uh, I can feel you in your roots. That's so cool to hear that about you. I also want to give you more compliments <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> um, I met you during your Saturn return. Like there were times we were hanging out where Saturn was exactly to the degree to the degree on your Saturn, and you've been like, this is a great Saturn return. Like you bought some land. Um, you're like making steps forward in your life, and like I really. Um, enjoy your social media presence and your Instagram because you are an example of someone who 
like you aspire towards things, you challenge yourself and you take on these growth processes and you admit the obstacles that come along the way and you're honest and vulnerable vulnerable about it on the internet so that you can empower other people to do the same. And I'm just so inspired by that. And I think it's a great example for anyone who's wanting to up their you know, self-development that when you are public about it and when you share, I think that it helps us do, you know, it advance because we're not just doing it for ourselves or part of a collective movement, but you're so honest on Instagram. And also just like every time I see your pictures, I'm just like, she's so hot. And I'm just oh, like, I'm like so obsessed sweet. with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me feel good when I hear that stuff because I don't perceive myself that way. And I'm working on that. Like I'm trying to. You're like to. a flame. Like, <laughs> you know, and just like you have these amazing tattoos and um yeah, whenever I see pictures of you, I'm just like, that's my friend. And I'm like, all proud of you. Ah, so. I love it so much. <laughs> well, I honestly feel like social media has been my accountability for all of that in my own journey. Like I even my personal account, I took off for a while because I was trying to focus more on just astrology and tarot through cosmic lady six. And I was feeling kind of like, you know, I was worried a little bit about ego projection of like, am I just sharing like, is this narcissistic? You know, I wasn't sure how it was coming off. And so I got rid of my personal Instagram. And when I reintroduced the plant-based mystic, it was actually because I realized how beneficial it was for me in terms of accountability as a sober person and just health wise. Like I got really lazy about my health, um, not my sobriety. Cause that's kind of sobriety is not hard for me. I think, cause like I was saying, when I was younger, I really like actually legitimately thought I would be sober. Um, so I just feel like I've just trusted more in my younger self in that and like who my, where my heart really is. So sobriety is easy for me being around other people who aren't sober in toxic environments isn't as easy for me. So I feel like, yeah, with all that Pisces. (laughs) Yeah. And I, that's another thing is like, I've had to learn how to release energy since I've been sober. When you're asking like, what are some of the things that you do now that you're so susceptible, um, protection and cleansing rituals and meditations have been really beneficial for me. And so that's definitely a regular thing in my practice and cleaning the house too. Like that's something I think like Mexican and Hispanic women, like I grew up with all the women in my family being like, if you feel bad, you clean the house. And I hated it. I have a Virgo mom who's like real, like I moved out a lot of because of like that uptightness of like cleaning the house. Like I couldn't handle it. And then, um, once I was out in the world and lived with messy people and myself being one of those people, I realized how much our spirituality is intertwined with how we keep our space and how we invite in certain energy that we can't see when our space is oh, totally. clean. I, when I first started seeing auras and just like, I, see things I feel like in this mystical and it could be you know subjective way but like when I first started seeing auras I would see them around food and I'm still very particular about what foods I want to eat and what foods I don't want to eat but I could actually feel the like um, and this was introduced to me by a mentor that there's spirits everywhere and that spirits will like they gravitate towards like energies and so if you have like decaying or molding food around it attracts different spirits than like a fresh, like ripe bowl of fruit would. Mm -hmm. And that made a lot of sense to me. Like I don't not believe in spirits and to think about them kind of navigating the cosmos and attracting, you know, being attracted or allured to certain energies made a lot of sense. And so after that period of time, I could just, I started to trust my vision where something starts to appear kind of grotesque or like, I don't want it or I'm like repulsed by it versus when something's really attractive or like emanating like angel beams of light. Like that's very real to me. Yeah. So um, I forget what even made me start talking about Well, just about relating that. to the energy, like what you, the space you keep is what oh, you invite. Right. Yeah. I actually vacuumed before you got here because I had this feeling of like, I sh- you know, I was just cleaning my room, but I vacuumed and specifically thought like this will make way for like a really inspired conversation to happen because I'm like cleaning up the dust that's on the floor. I clean my floors before I came to. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm really conscious about it and sometimes I'm too overwhelmed or too busy, I try to clean my room or clean the house before I travel because I have Jupiter and Virgo. So Jupiter travel, Virgo cleaning. Yeah. And I feel like it enhances my 
travel experience. Like it's a pre-travel ritual. I do the same thing. I always want to come home to a clean house yeah, too. I used to like leave like a chocolate on my desk too. I was just like, come oh, I back. Love that I, idea. I would like make my bed fresh with freshly clean sheets, have everything clean, leave chocolate for myself. And like, I had a lot of free time when I did that. It's gotten a little bit more complicated, but I still aspire to that. And I love that you brought up the cleaning thing because I think that that's really real. And I've been working, it's part of my spiritual path. Like I have so much Pisces and I feel, I just learned about Poseidon as an archetype in Mm -hmm. one of my classes. And it relates to people that just kind of like, they leave a mess, you know, Mm -hmm. they're ocean-y and they spill out all of the time. And it's easier for them to live in that mess than if everything's clean. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like I have that archetype in me. But for like a couple years, I was like, I can't keep my room clean. And then I finally was just dating someone who is Virgo rising and super clean. And I feel like I osmosed that ability. And now I like clean up because I just yeah, figured it out. But it yeah, that's happened before in my life too, of being clean for a particular period of time. And it's like, you can hear like angels singing in your room. You're just like, I'm like ready, you know, I have to remember that every time I get stressed out and overwhelmed. So. And it's that vibration thing. You know, I think for me, like I, I read so many spiritual books when I was a teenager and I had a few, like what I would consider pre like awakening type experiences, but it wasn't until I was like in this other like, well, this is another thing since we're talking about astrology that's important to mention is that Saturn was, I think, approaching or already on my ascendant when I had that awakening. Like, I like Saturn was in Sagittarius and my ascendant Sagittarius. And so I had Saturn kind of influencing. That's amazing. Yeah. Like Saturn is not a planet that some people would associate with spirituality. Like, it's all about kind of, you know, reality or whatever. But I think that that's not all of what Saturn's about. And if part of your life purpose or your life work is about spirituality, that's so amazing that you would have had that awakening with Saturn on your ascendant. Yeah. And finding out about it later, like right before my Saturn return, I was just like, oh, so I had like my astrologer was like, you kind of had a pre like Saturn return before your Saturn return. And that's probably why you're having all this stuff going on. And of course, at the time, I didn't know what she was talking about, really. It was like, it took me a few months before I really understood what that meant. But now looking at it in that way, and especially with Jupiter now being on Sagittarius, it's like I've really been able to like step step into myself with these things in a way that is fun and expansive and where the education is like the first time that I got interested in astrology was I was overwhelmed. Like I was just like, this is too much. And it was through tarot. Like I realized tarot was associated with astrology. I had the mother piece playbook and I started reading. I had a friend that like knew the astrological associations to the cards. And as much as I wanted that, I did not have the patience. And I was like, someday maybe I'll care. And then it was 10 years later it, it does happen on time for people. I'm so glad you're part of the astrology community. Yay, me too. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much <laughs> for being here. I love Annalisa. I am so grateful to have her as a friend and I feel so expanded every time I hang out with her. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go to iTunes and give it a review. This is a new show, so that will help so much. And... Also, maybe share this episode as a story on Instagram. You can tag me, Sabrina Monarch. You can also tag Cosmic Lady Six. And let us know what you think about sobriety and how that has influenced your spiritual path if you're a sober person or what your relationship to substances is. I will see you here again next time.